Welcome to Red Pill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. We have Jesus. Why should we care about the fall holy times? I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. The prophets give us the reason for observing these times. So let's talk about it. If you didn't know, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Understanding and believing the Torah gives context to the rest of the Bible, and the Bible is all about Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com, find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com, follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com, on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, or wherever you hear your favorite podcasts. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And a big shalom to our friends in Baltimore and Brazil. Listen out for Red Pill Tour on a radio station near you. Red Pill Tour is an outreach of B'nai Ephraim Messianic Ministries and Assembly. Find us at BEMMA.org. At the time of this recording, the holy time of Yom Kippur is fast approaching. We see a connection between Yom Kippur and the fearsome day of the Lord. We look forward to this time with our Savior, even though the scriptures don't describe it as a time of joyous celebration. That's right, Daddy. The fulfillment of Yom Kippur means a great outcome for the covenant people, but the process by which we get there is not something that we take joy in. Let's read the instructions regarding Yom Kippur from Leviticus 23, the chapter that we know as Elohim's Calendar. Reading from verse 26, it says, Yehovah said to Moshe, The tenth day of this month, the seventh month, is Yom Kippur. You are to have a holy convocation. You are to deny yourselves, and you are to bring an offering made by fire to Yehovah. You are not to do any kind of work on that day, because it is Yom Kippur, to make an atonement for you before Yehovah your Elohim. Anyone who does not deny himself on that day is to be cut off from his people. And anyone who does any kind of work on that day, I will destroy from among his people. You are not to do any kind of work. It is a permanent regulation throughout all your generations, no matter where you live. It will be for you a Shabbat of complete rest. And you are to deny yourselves. You are to rest on your Shabbat from evening the ninth day of the month, until the following evening. So, Daddy, there is a holy convocation, meaning we should assemble to observe this day, right? That's right. And deny ourselves. What does that mean? It means we are to humble ourselves. Some people fast, they refrain from entertainment, and they engage in prayer to Elohim. Okay. Uh, the next thing it said was, bring an offering made by fire to Yehovah. Now, there's no temple for that step at this moment. We give offerings to support the work of ministries that understand the holy times. Okay, that makes sense. Do not do any kind of work. What does that mean? Well, that means exactly what it says. If you get paid to do it or it prevents you from resting, unless you're saving someone's life, okay. then it's probably work. To our listeners, Yom Kippur is on the 10th day of the 7th Hebrew month. Now, if you've been following us for a while, you know that Elohim's calendar does not coincide with the Greco-Roman calendar that we use today. The seventh month on the world's calendar is July. The seventh month on Elohim's calendar comes in September or October of the Greco-Roman calendar. 
That's why it's vital to know how to tell time Jehovah's way. For believers who feel these observances are done away with, based on their understanding of Paul's doctrine, please check out Leviticus 16, verses 29 and 34. Both verses identify Yom Kippur as everlasting statues, as spoken by Jehovah himself. Do you believe that any human, including Paul, can pronounce an end to what the Creator identified as an eternal statue? If so, please send scripture to support that. Mama, if we look closely at the scripture in Leviticus 16, verse 30, a couple of words are italicized. We read that Yom Kippur is to be a statue forever. Verse 30 in the King James Version of the Bible gives the following reason why it is to be an eternal statue. Now it says, For on that day shall the priest make an atonement for you. The words, the priest, are in italics, meaning that those words were added by the translator. They are not in the Hebrew text. If we take those italicized words out, we read something more like, For on that day shall an atonement be made for you. In other words, the one making the atonement may be implied, but that person is not expressly identified. Verse 30 speaks of the atonement as a future event. We know that Yeshua's atonement was made for all, centuries after Elohim spoke these words. And the atonement of Yeshua's death happened on Passover, not Yom Kippur. What if the words spoken by Jehovah Elohim did not only remind us of Yeshua's once and for all atonement? What if they also spoke of future acts of the Messiah to bring forgiveness and blessing upon his people and his chosen land? The day of the Lord is a time of vengeance and fury taken by our Elohim against the nations for their sins against his people Israel. Now the book of Joel is a prophecy about the day of the Lord. In the first chapter of Joel, we read about sadness due to a lack of resources. The prophet mentions an army of insects that spoiled the produce of Israel. Verses 6 and 7 say, For a mighty nation with a vast number of people has invaded my land. His teeth are lion's teeth. His fangs are those of a lioness. He has reduced my vines to waste, my fig trees to splinters. He plucked them bare, stripped their bark, and left their branches white. Many believe that this is speaking about an insect army and a future army, the army of Elohim. Elohim calls on Israel to recognize their situation and to call a solemn assembly. Joel chapter 1 verse 14 and 15 say, Proclaim a holy, solemn assembly. Gather the leaders and all who live in the land to the house of Jehovah your Elohim and cry out to Jehovah. Oh no, the day, the day of the Lord is upon us. As destruction from the Almighty, it is coming. Chapter 2 starts with, Blow the shofar in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all living in the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming. It's upon us. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick fog. A great and mighty horde is spreading like blackness over the mountains. There has never been anything like it, nor will there ever be again, not even after the years of many generations. Verse 11 identifies this mighty horde as the armies of the living Elohim. Reading from Joel chapter 2 verse 11, 
Yehovah shouts orders to his forces. His army is immense, mighty, and it does what he says. For great is the day of the Lord, fearsome, terrifying. Who can endure it? Yet even now, says Yehovah, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and lamenting. Tear your heart, not your garments, and turn to Yehovah your Elohim, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in grace, and willing to change his mind about disaster. Who knows? He may turn, change his mind, and leave a blessing behind him, enough for grain offerings and drink offerings to present to Yehovah your Elohim. Even though the day of the Lord is a fearsome day, we see his mercy towards his people. Through the prophet Joel, Elohim urges his people to repent from the heart, turning to him. He is merciful and compassionate and willing to change his mind about bringing judgment. This is the same Elohim we read about with Moses on Mount Sinai, describing himself as slow to anger and full of compassion. Amen, Mama. He also said he would not acquit the wicked or the guilty. This is a day of judgment for those who refuse to take refuge in the Most High. Several times in the prophecy of Joel, we read about a sounding of a trumpet. This should remind you of Yom Teruah, the holy time that is 10 days before Yom Kippur. Yom Teruah is a memorial of teruahs, or loud sounds, which could be shouting or blasts on a shofar. There are many teruahs for us to remember, including the teruah from Mount Sinai, the teruah that preceded the fall of Jericho, the teruah before Gideon's victory, and the promised teruah that will announce the resurrection of the dead. After the teruah in Joel's prophecy, if Israel will repent and cry out to Elohim, Joel said that Israel will receive mercy. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, Jehovah promises to restore the years that the locusts, worms, and caterpillars had eaten. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28, Elohim promises to pour out his Ruach HaKodesh, his Holy Spirit, causing the young to prophesy and the old to dream dreams of great things. Even the lowest member in Israel will receive the outpouring of the Ruach. This will be a wonderful time for repenting, Israel. True, Mama. But it will be a terrible day for the enemies of Jehovah. In Joel chapter 3, the Most High promises to free the captives of Judah and Jerusalem. He also promises to entice the nations to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Now the Jeho or Yeho is short for the name of our Elohim, Jehovah. Shaphat means to judge. The valley of Jehoshaphat is the valley where Jehovah will judge his enemies on the day of the Lord. In Joel chapter 3, our Elohim recounts the sins committed against his holy people, including scattering Israel among the nations, parting his chosen land of Israel, selling Elohim's chosen people to the Greeks, giving away Hebrew boys for sexual favors, and Hebrew girls for wine. Brethren, the book of Joel only has three chapters. Read it for yourself and discern whether we are accurately stating what it says. For the people of Jehovah, the day of the Lord is a day when we must humble ourselves. That was true when the priests performed the Yom Kippur offerings, and it remains true to this day. It will also be the required response when we see the enemies of Elohim being punished. 
No one who is instructed in the righteous ways of the Torah would dare stand up and cheer, shouting, Get them, Lord. That's right, get those people too for all the evil they did. We will all be humble before the awesome power of the Most High. Tim, early in the podcast, I asked a question. Do you remember what that question was? Yes, I do remember. You asked, what if the Father's commandment to observe Yom Kippur not only reminds us of Yeshua's one-time atonement, what if it also spoke to future acts of the Messiah to bring forgiveness and blessing upon his people and his chosen land? Now, I think we find the answer in Joel chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. They say, Judah will be inhabited forever, Jerusalem through all generations. I will cleanse them of blood guilt, which I have not yet cleansed, for Jehovah is living in Zion. The Torah teaches us that the land must be cleansed in the event of murder. Blood guilt is the result of murder. Our Elohim promises to remove blood guilt from his people and his land. He will do it for any that happened in the past as well as any that will happen in the future. He will be the covering for every sin and all uncleanness. So, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and skip over Yom Kippur because your church doesn't recognize it? Or... Would you take the red pill and obey the eternal ordinance spoken by the Creator? Only you can answer that question. We urge you to find your way to a Yom Kippur service and obey the eternal ordinance. Email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com for help in following this and other instructions of the Most High. Check out BEMMA.org for their Yom Kippur observance times. Well, that's all we have time for today. Please share Red Pill Torah with a friend. And thanks for listening to Red Pill Torah, where you You can can handle the truth. truth.